You're listening to the Things I Think About podcast. I'm your host, Jim Stroud. I don't normally post a disclaimer prior to a podcast, but in this case, I am making an exception. Uh, My guest made a lot of claims about uh, Black Lives Matter that was news to me. Um, I did the research and (laughs) what he said was true. So by all means, as you listen to this podcast before or after or during, uh, click on the link in the podcast description uh, to see what he was talking about and how true it was. That being said, on with the show. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, man, it's good. Good. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. I appreciate you being here. Tell us, who are you and what do you do? I'm Kevin McGarry. I'm the president and founder of Every Black Life Matters. I'm also the uh, chairman and uh, president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California. Okay. Um, Every Black Life Matters. That's different from the Black Life Matter uh, movement that I hear so much about. Before we get into that, tell us uh, a little bit about your background. How did you get into what you're doing now? So I was uh, born and raised in Hunters Point in San Francisco. So I was a brother from the hood, strictly, you know, I was born mm. in abject poverty and, and raised in that kind of a setting first uh, several years of my life and uh, moved out of the projects when I was about eight and then was, you know, did all of the basic kind of, you know, lower, uh, lower income kind of a setting, uh, you know, what boys typically do. So I was raised in that kind of a setting. Uh, fortunate enough to just uh, do well enough in, in public school to be able to go to a um, college. So I went to San Jose State, got a sociology degree, but fundamentally I was steeped in, in abject poverty, liberalism, progressivism, leftism, did all of that, fully understood it, get it, uh, got it, understand it, lived it, um, and then graduated with a sociology degree, then left that, got married, and uh, my wife was, uh, she was a psychology major and uh, she, she grew up in abject poverty as well in Detroit. And after we got married, we, uh, we, we really wanted to take our, our commitment to the Lord uh, seriously. And so we decided to live strictly biblically. And so we started to apply the word of God in every area of our life. And uh, the Lord really kind of brought to our attention that our, our area of civic engagement uh, we really, you know, needed some serious uh, looking at. And when we started to, to, to apply biblical uh, reality to our, how we were voting and our areas and what we were supposedly civically engaged, it didn't match. We couldn't, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't really kind of make that match. And, uh, and we thought, wow, man, this just doesn't match. I mean, we, we're committed to the things of God, but the way that we're voting, the way that we're seeing the world, it's, uh, we can't make this, this match. So we, um, we started to, to actually vote differently, started to vote more conservatively, uh, and, and in our opinion, more responsibly. And it wasn't about parties it was about just voting in accordance with what we felt the, the word of God, that aligned more uh, with the word of God. And so since that time, which has been over 30 years ago now, uh, we've been voting more conservatively in that way. And then the Lord's used us uh, in that way. I became, uh, um, you know, uh, chairman for the Frederick Douglass Foundation. It's been over a decade now. Uh, and so I've been doing that. And in that time, I've written four books. 
most of them uh, have to do with being uh, politically engaged and and uh, so they have a religious you know vein through them all but um and uh, they're all on amazon so you can go to amazon and find you know just google my name on am or just you know write type my name on amazon you'll see the books but but fundamentally that's that's the kind of trajectory i've been on and uh and then we saw the what's happened in uh, last year and um everybody saw the horror of george floyd and uh we understand the sentiment everybody was upset with what happened there and wanted to you know really constructively go out and, and, and express their sentiment. But when we saw the violence and the rage and the hatred and the vitriol and the uh, tearing up of our community and the setting on fire, black and brown businesses, and then uh, BLM and Antifa, you know, basically having a party while black and brown businesses were being burned to the ground, uh that was a little bit too much for me bro i mean I, I was like no wait a minute wait a minute no um it's bad enough y'all y'all tearing up our communities and burning our communities but when you you have black and brown business owners that are put their entire life savings on the line and you having a party you 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 know you raving out uh at the demise of our businesses that's 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 a little bit too much for me to just you know get with that so I said, look, uh, what's going to happen is a lot of people who are faithful and righteous are going to want um, an alternative to BLM. After they go to the BLM website, they're going to see that this is a Marxist organization. This is an anti-family organization. These people are um, really are not at all faithful. They're, they're practicing witchcraft and incantations. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, demonism, other things that are affecting and so people who are faithful, in other words, you know, people who are faith and people who are righteous, morally righteous and et cetera, are going to want an, an alternative. And so uh, we decided to start Every Black Life Matters, because when you think about it, before you could stand up and, and salute saying Black Lives Matter generally, every single Black life would have to matter specifically. And if every single Black life doesn't matter, then you're a hypocrite. So uh, so we wanted to stay in the same lane because it's important because we actually do have black plight disproportional to any other ethnicity. So before people stand up and say, no, 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 no. Yeah, all lives matter. Everything's the same. Yeah, we're all equal. Yeah. No, wait, wait a minute. Yes, we, we you're right. God made us all equal. But for us to say everything's the same, everything's equal in the community, it, it, it's not. It's not. And so there are some people who, when we go out, uh, they try to say, look, no, 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 no. Uh, we've had enough time. All things are, all lives are matter. Everything's equal now. Y'all need to just get over it. And I tell those people, look, um, I understand what you're trying to say, but you're being dismissive and you're being a little bit arrogant. Everything is not the same. When Margaret Sanger, when Margaret Sanger said, look, we want to fundamentally fully exterminate every single, you know, the entire Negro population. She didn't say we want to exterminate Negroes and whites, Negroes and Asians, Negroes and Hispanics. She said Negroes. That means she put a target on Blacks specifically, disproportionately. And, and to this day, there is a target on our community and it is bearing out her, her visions and dreams period, end of story, full stop, that's happening. And so there is a disproportional plight 
on the black community as a result of that vision. So we can't say, oh, no, 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 get over it. Oh, everything's equal. No, it's not. There's a plight in the black community right now, today. And so um, we don't want to be dismissive of the fact that there are some disproportional plights, like in the womb, like early childhood development, like, uh, you know, because of lack of school choice, that there are some educational disparities, like, you know, because of lack of father in the homes, because of LGB, LBJ's policies, there's some disparities, like, you know, our kids are being slaughtered because of gang violence. Like, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's- yeah, I do. I do. And and it's you, you, you dropped so many truth bombs in one <laughs> one segment there. And I think the audience may, may want to um, unpack. I wouldn't want to pack some of that for the audience. Um, let me backtrack just a little bit to some of what you said. Now, you mentioned about Black Lives Matter. You mentioned their, their Marxist roots. You mentioned um, um uh, I think you mentioned Satanism or to some extent. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, witchcraft and incantations. Yeah. Yeah, witchcraft and incantations. Um, let's start with the Marxism. Explain that a little bit more about, about Marxism, Marxism, because I think some people may have heard about it or they may say, you know what, I've heard of Marxism and, and they're thinking of what Marxism is. It's, it's, it's okay. Well, it's not a big deal. Explain yeah. to us why um, uh, Christians should be against Marxism in your view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's just talk about Marxism as in, in, in God's view. Uh, okay. <laughs> because, you know, quite honestly, you, you, this is a very valid point. We have even a lot of, you know, pastors that even don't even know. They don't know what, well, Kev, you know, come on, man. I mean, Marxism, socialism, I mean, you know, what's the big deal? You know, you know, it's just another form of, of economic reality. It's just another form of government. It's just as, you know, it's just as valid as capitalism, man. Get over it. No, 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 no. Let's talk about it, bro. All right, here's the reality. Marxism is a form of, 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 of that's been evolving since the since Plato. Plato, Plato was really came up with uh, Plato's Republic, which which if you were to go back, it was BC. Um, and so Plato had Plato's Republic. And then we had Thomas More uh, who who took some of Plato's ideas and and really evolved with Plato, uh, with um, Thomas More, which was Utopia. Then we had Thomas Hobbes, which was Leviathan. And then we had, um, and then, so we had Thomas More, Thomas Hobbes, and then we had, um, uh, and then we had, uh, and these are all iterations that led up to Marxism. So I'm, I'm trying to give you iterations. Sure, you're saying from Plato's time, there was a certain uh, brand of, of Marxism. And, yeah, then, and over time, everybody sort of put, different people put different spins different on the spin same exactly. ideology. So what kind of spin on Marxism do you, do you see now compared to say Karl Marx's time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so these are, so first of all, but this is, uh, and the reason why I have to connect the dots this way is because they all had one thing in common. So mm. that's why so so from Plato, Thomas More, Thomas Hobbes, Hegel, uh, then Marx and Engels, one thing in common, all these men. Mm. And that was atheism. They all had an anti-God bent in their writings. Okay. Mm. So so these all had a big government, there is no God kind of a sentiment. The only potential exception would be Thomas More, who had a deist. You know, there is a God, but he's not in, at all, you know, involved in the affairs of men. He is 
disconnected. He is, you know, he, you know, he's really not. And so we have to, you know, uh, we have to have a mastermind kind of mentality and take, but everybody else were virulently anti-God, you know, mm. you know, hated the, the, the notion of God, there is no God, we have to take control. So, um, so there, there, there was this whole idea that um, the, these people were, um, were, you know, either atheist, agnostic, or, or, you know, like that kind of sentiment. So that's, that's what's behind Marxism. So before you, before anybody says, look, it's nothing really fundamentally wrong or evil, but it's, it's, it's fundamentally evil. It's born out of a, a, a demonic mindset. It is. In addition to the atheism, I know, um, uh, my, my recollection of Marxism, um, from the Karl Marx aspect of it was it was rich versus poor. And in today's Marxism, it seems like it's about dividing the races and putting them against each other. Is that something that you, you notice as well? Well, it, it, it always has been. So classic Marxism, obviously, is this, uh, you know, proletariat and bourgeoisie and uh, class conflict is a part of it. And, and the whole idea is to create class conflict so you can ultimately collapse the system. And then if you collapse the system, then we can have you know, take control of all of the, you know, all the goods. And, and uh, once you take control of all of the goods and services, the means of production, then of course, you can, you can actually have a planned economy. And then of course, the masterminds have everything, right. So mm. uh, this whole idea that everybody can actually have everything in common is is a fallacy, because guess what, the people at the top don't have anything in common with, with everybody else, the, the masterminds have all Right. They have, you know, just look at just just look at all of the countries in Africa. Right. Uh, look at uh, North Korea. Guess who it doesn't have anything in common with the people there. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Ong has nothing in common. Un has nothing in common with with the, the, the people there. Uh, Venezuela, he has nothing in common with all of the people who are suffering. Right. Um, you know, Chavez, the, the, you know, uh, you know, the people in Cuba and, they, you know, Castro's, they have nothing in common. So so in every economy like that who collapses under Marxism and communism, the, the masterminds control it all. And those are the people. Now, the reason why, ideally, they want a global economy is because all of the masterminds, which would be all of the people who are in charge, all of the rich people right now. Uh, all of the uh, educators, all of the, the 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 globalists, these people at the top right now, the ex um, presidents, and all of these people right now who have you know participated in 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 bringing about this sort of one world government, they're the masterminds. They they get to you know take care of all of the fruits of bringing this thing to to you know to its fruition. So they're the ones who will be forever insulated, inculcated, if you will, from all of the disaster that we would have to be, you know, fall under. So, um, so anyway, we, we've gone a little before adrift, but I, I do want everybody to understand that there is nothing good, there is nothing wholesome, there is nothing, um, you know, um, altruistic that comes out of Marxism and communism. We have had over 120 million deaths historically uh, from those systems. It, it's in its wake, we always historically have had, um, you know, tragedy, uh, grotesque tragedy from those systems. So, and, and so your point is any, any organization that's built on Marxism is doomed to fail. Um, and it's not for your good ultimately. Uh, always. Yeah. yeah. We, have, 
we have too, too much history behind those systems and it, it always fails, yes. Yeah, when you said it, maybe when you talked about uh, the leadership or, or the big brains, uh, I think you said, uh, were the ones up top and they don't have anything in common with the ones beneath. Um, I thought when you said it, I was thinking about uh, Patrice uh, Conculler, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter, right. how she got a little bit embarrassed when it came out that she had a $4 million home. Um, four mansions, four uh, mansions all, yeah. all, all multi, you know, I mean, the ones in, in California are over a million. She has an 800,000 somewhere else in a couple. The, in total, they all total over $4 million. And then you had Sean King, who uh, who just moved uh, on a Jersey shore somewhere and he has an 800 plus thousand dollars. You know, I mean, these are all people that, that, you know, got most of their riches over the past 12 months as a result of BLM and what happened there. So um, these are people that are supposedly sworn Marxist revolutionaries. And, and the, you have to ask the question, well, wait a minute, if you're a Marxist revolutionary, like Robin DiAngelo, who says she prefers Marxism to any other form of government. Now, wait a minute, Miss White Lady, supposedly you swear to be a Marxist revolutionary. That's your preferred form of government. Uh, why do you not have nothing but Black ladies as your front? You should be, for, for instance, if you're a sworn Marxist revolutionary, you should be giving all your money to Blacks who, who, by the way, you should be a teacher assistant. You should just put them in front and you should be helping them to do your workshops, give all your money to the sisters, right? Um, and 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 you you you're making millions of dollars per year. You shouldn't even make. You should give all your riches away because you're a Marxist. What would you need money for, right? Uh, and by the way, Ibram X Kendi, you know, you're making forty. You know, you got a, what tens of millions of dollars. What what are you? You're a Marxist too, bro. What 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 you need money for? You you know what I'm saying? It's it's yeah. preposterous, right? We got all these Marxist professors that are tenured, right? They're making five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year. They're they're telling our children that it's great being a Marxist. Yet they hold these positions of power, uh, tenured. They're making several hundred thousand dollars a year, and why aren't they stepping down and actually putting people of color there, just becoming a TA, making thirty thousand dollars, living in a you know somebody's loft somewhere, and and just becoming a TA and and putting other people in those positions of power and giving up their tenure. Why, why not? You're a Marxist, what are you doing? You, you're, and why aren't we demanding that they do that? In other words, not in a bad way. We just say, look, I, I believe that you are, you're, you're sincere about your Marxism, Mr. Professor, Ms. D'Angelo. Could you please set the example for us so we can follow you, so we can really believe you're sincere about your position? Just please step down and let's show us how this works so we can, you know. Right, but that that won't happen. <laughs> that won't happen. Um, earlier on, in um, I think when I think it was a couple of years ago. I think it was last year. Yeah, I think it was last year. Um, Black Lives Matter got into a little bit of um, well, more than a little bit of controversy because they changed their website. They uh, took down from their website their views on the traditional family. Yep. They thought that uh, the, the traditional family uh, should be dissolved for a more community-based family. T tell me about that. 
Yeah, so uh, here's here's the problem with that. Um, social anthropology. Well, well, actually, before you do it, t- tell the listeners what actually was taken down, and so they'd be up to speed because they haven't heard. Yeah, about so it. they so they they took down uh, because they, they made statements uh, early on, and it, it carried through. I think most of last year, it, they, they it was a statement about heteronormative uh, and nuclear family that yep. they they reject heteronormative. Uh, nuclear families, pretty Something, much again, yeah, pretty much against fatherhood, for, fatherhood, and yeah. and and a heteronormative type of an, an environment, and the nuclear family. Now, I don't know whether it was two different bullet points or one and the same, but it was that it was characterized as such. So here's here's the issue with that: um, social and cultural anthropologists over you know over time have confirmed that the healthiest um, families and, and when, what they characterize as healthy are families who are out of poverty and who have children that are not um, um, producing crimes. So children that are having healthy lifestyles that are not crime, that, that are not in jail and are, are self-sustaining. In other words, they're they're out of the house and they're having healthy lives on their own um, are from households where there is a, uh, a mother and a father, biological male and female in the house. So um, and so what BLM was advocating is that, no, you don't need a father in the house. Uh, a single mother is just as fine. And you can have what they would call uh, villages where they would call um you know, multiple mothers in the community that would come alongside and help, um, you know, mothers, single mothers raise, you know, their children. And so they, you know, they had this idea, this grandiose idea that's, you know, never been really fully vetted or or ferreted out. But anyway, they have this, this idea. So anyway, um, that hasn't been proven. There has been no real studies on that, but anyway, that's their idea. So here's the problem with that. Um, uh, we, you know, again, socioanthropologists um, uh, agree that having a father in the home is really, really critical. It, it, it significantly delays or it significantly uh, uh, by approximately 70 percent, it reduces um, a, a criminal behavior in the black community. And it, it significantly increases um, or significantly reduces criminal behavior and significantly reduces poverty in the black community. So, and it's directly proportional to fathers being in the home. So Mm -hmm. if you have a father in the home, that particular home is going to be um, enhanced by approximately 70% um, by, you know, a reduction in crime and a reduction in poverty. So we are huge on fatherhood initiatives. Um, and, And here's the other thing. Barack Obama, when he was president, he went on several stumps uh, when he was president, and he he said the same thing. I yep. mean, he he had he several speeches. He you did. can still mm-hmm. be on YouTube. You can you can you can do your own research on this. And he was big on fatherhood. Uh, Bill Cosby back in the day was big on fatherhood, um, and um, you know he sullied his reputation. But that that notwithstanding, those particular issues are still there. And so um, you can go out and find uh, actual reports 
on fatherhood being a, a, a huge issue for helping to solidify um, and unify the black community and reduce poverty and crime within the black community. So for any particular movement to say, no, we don't need fathers um, and we should actually work to dismantle fathers within the community, that's dangerous, it's, um, it's unproductive, and it actually causes more crimes and more problems than it, than it solves. Sure. And so that's why they took it down because, you know, other, other, their corporate sponsors and other communities were coming to them and they said, this is, this is actually destructive. This is, this is irresponsible for you to put something like that on there. Could you imagine Coca-Cola, NFL, other <laughs> communities were coming to them and saying, eh, we're giving you money, but you got to do something about this. This is, you know, yeah. this doesn't match up with science. It doesn't match up with cultural anthropologists. You, you mentioned you mentioned earlier, um, and I don't want to forget this point. You mentioned earlier about um, incantations and and uh, things of that nature associated with Black Lives Matter. Could you explain that one to me? Because I I've, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> yeah. So if you go on um, if you go on YouTube, uh, there was an actual uh, what's this gentleman's name? Hamilton. Uh, He's on American Family Radio, Hamilton. Oh, shoot. Well, we'll look him up. We'll yeah, yeah, look him up. So he actually did an expose. So when they uh, when they actually go to places where um, individuals have been uh, shot and killed by police, mm. uh, they actually go to those spots, those very spots, and they do say their name, but they're actually uh, saying their names and they're saying names of ancestors and they're actually and they're they're explaining what they're doing so they actually you know he does an expose in, in on video and they're saying we're bringing up ancestors we're bringing up incantations and they're these are these are actual rituals this is not like something you know kind of benign they're just uh you know like lamentations they're just saying the name of of, uh, you know, of, of. So when I hear, so when I hear someone say, uh, say, say Breonna Taylor's name, something like that, then that would be part of some kind of magical incantation that they're doing. Am I, they're they're actually saying Breonna Taylor and then they're saying names of others and, 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 you know, other ants and they're bringing it into an incantation and they're saying it as part of a ritual, a, an actual witchcraft. Um, towards yeah. what, towards, to what end? Um, I would say, you know, if you go, <laughs> if yeah, you go to this, yeah, I've never heard this before. That's what happened. Really kind of strange. Um, yeah, it, it's supposedly some kind of blessing for their spirit or something like that. It's oh. really, it's really a strange, uh, strange kind of thing. But if you go and actually you can go to YouTube and find out more information about it, it's, um, yeah, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna. I'm gonna dig that yeah, up please, and, yeah, and put that in. I'll put that in the podcast description, so everyone yeah. won't have to scratch your head like I am right now, because yeah. uh, I will be looking that up <laughs> for sure. So it, in in our chat, uh, we talked about uh, talk about witchcraft, talk about Marxism, talk about the destruction of the of the family as as being um, part of the BLM movement that most people are not aware of. Are there other reasons as well? Um, that Christians may want to rethink their support of Black Lives Matter? Yeah, so um, 
there's some fundamentals of our faith that really don't align with uh, BLM. So BLM and um, and their street activism, um, we see aggression uh, that's violent, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's unforgiving. Um, we see um, hatred. Um, we know that um, that love is the primary uh, as a primary characteristic of, of our Christendom, right? Mm. So how am I going out and tearing up our communities and expressing hatred, even hatred towards law enforcement that we believe may, may be at fault in some of this? Uh, at the same time, we're commanded to love our brothers as we love ourselves, right? Mm. Um, so that's, that's a real, you know, I mean, fundamentally we're out of order, right? So number one, we have, we don't have the love thing. And number two, as, as I recall, I think even if we do believe that vengeance and recompenses should be done, didn't, didn't, didn't the word tell us that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So Mm. I think we're out of order if we're taking vengeance in our own hands. And number three, um, I did a whole study on forgiveness and forgiveness is conditional. As a matter of fact, Mark eleven twenty six tells us, if you do not forgive, your father in heaven will not forgive you. Mm. Uh, excuse me? Mm. So that means if I'm going out, and I don't care what these people did, what I believe these people did to me or my ancestors or whatever. If I'm unforgiving, uh, I'm out. I'm, I'm not I'm not only out of order by protesting this way, I'm completely unforgiven by God. Wow. Wow. That's that's uh, uncomfortably profound there. <laughs> now, even think, you know, some people will say, man, that is crazy. I didn't even think about that. But if you think about the Lord's Prayer hmm. and forgive me as I forgive, right? And Correct. If, you, if you do a study on forgiveness, and I would encourage you and all you listeners, it's always conditional. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. So um, we, and, and there's a lot of pastors, I would encourage our pastors to really get right, get this thing right. Here's another thing I would encourage pastors to do. Some pastors are, are, are trying to put a little social justice in there and a little black liberation in there, little, uh, little other gospels in there. God, you know, Paul admonished and encouraged us in Galatians 1, 8, 1, 9. He says, even if an angel from heaven comes to give you one iota of a different gospel, they are accursed to hell. And uh, so if I am going to try to put a little James Cone spin on this and say, look, you know, them white folks and these white nationalists and this and that, we need to be going out and taking to the streets and, you know, a little social justice and blah, 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 blah. Uh, excuse me. Um, uh, we may feel that way, but if we start to try to put a little bit of a different spin on the gospel, um, we're not only cursing ourselves, but anybody in our, any of our parishioners that's imbibing that foolishness, I don't care how great it sounds, uh, we're cursing our entire, our entire assembly. Wow. That's not me saying that. That's the word of God. 
Uh, please read Galatians 1, 8 and 1, 9. Wow. 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 Uh, time has flown by, <laughs> as, I, as I suspected it would. If someone wanted to, um, uh, well, actually, actually we got, a, uh, I get to be got 90 seconds here. Uh, tell everyone how they can get in connect with you, get, or get involved with your organization, and a quick um, recap of what your organization is about. Yeah, please, uh, please go to us. Uh, please connect with us via everyblm.com, everyblm.com. Uh, we have all kinds of resources in there. We are going across the country and we're providing remnant rising conferences uh, whereby we come to your local church. We'll provide uh, CRT. We fully debunk critical race theory and all of its accoutrements along with black liberation theology. We fully debunk it, including uh, compare and contrast with social justice versus biblical justice. So we do a full day workshop on these critical topics. Church, we've got to get this thing right. We are right now upside down. We've got to get it right. So you can go there, have all of our topics there. All of our critical pillars are there as well. Uh, real justice from the womb to the tomb, nuclear family, free markets, active fatherhood, uh, educational choice, nonviolence, all of those critical pillars are also on our website. You can find out more about us, everyblm.com. Wow, Kevin, thank you so much <laughs> for your time. Um, to make it convenient for all the listeners, I'm going to put links to all this stuff in the description. So just go to the description and you'll, you'll see the link right there. Check them out. Please support them. Thank you again, sir, for being on the show. You are much appreciated. Thank you for having me. God bless you, brother. You have been listening to the Things I Think About podcast. If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, I want to know about it. Drop me an email. I can be reached at Jim Stroud. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D at jimstroud.com. So until next time, bye-bye.